0: Hello, everyone. Krista and Hannah here with a brief message before we start the episode. We are on the third season of Keys to Music Learning, and we have loved every second. Talking about audition-based piano instruction is a passion of ours, if you couldn't tell, and we thank you for listening and keeping us going. We recently
1: launched the Keys to Music Learning community. Similar to Patreon, this is a way to support the podcast and access bonuses, such as opportunities to attend podcast recordings and monthly meetings so you can pick our brains with your questions, share your successes, and connect with other teachers.
0: Become a silent partner for only $3 a month or, to access the bonuses, a friend of the podcast for $5 a month. Join today at musiclearningacademy.com slash keys to music learning community. The link will be in our show notes.
1: Thank you all for listening and enjoy the podcast.
0: Welcome to Keys to Music Learning. I'm Krista Yadro of Music Learning Academy,
1: and I'm Hannah Mayo of Mayo Piano.
0: Join us as we discuss common goals and challenges in the piano studio and offer research-based ideas and solutions to guide every one of your students to reach their full musical potential with audiation. So
1: we're back one more time with Scarlett Kerr. We are having um, a most excellent conversation with her about how she started Music Moves and her audition journey. And we talked about the Barbara Lister Sink approach to technique. And now we're going to ask the woo-woo questions, if you will. (laughs) These are my favorite questions, (laughs) starting with, um, what advice would you give new teachers who are getting started with audition based piano teaching and uh, dabbling in Music Moves for piano?
2: All right, so... First off, and this is genuine, this is not like a plug or anything, to check out Krista's course at Music Learning Academy. It's just, I love how well presented it is. She breaks everything down to make it very digestible. And I'm a visual person, so watching somebody do it for me is a lot easier than reading about it in a book, Um, even though reading a book is also very important. But if you want to watch someone do it, that is like an, an added bonus of her course. So I would say go there, watch and just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was really lucky in the sense that I didn't have like a established studio when I learned about MLT and Music Moves, so I just kind of just started doing it. So I didn't have to like stick my toe in both parties, if the old method book and the new one. But I think thinking about it, if you're somebody who's trying to transition out of one series into Music Moves, I think just incorporating activity time. So um, when you're up out of the, away from the piano and you are moving and singing songs with flow and chanting and just kind of bathing your student in different tonalities and meters. I think that is such a great bridging aspect of going from one series to the other, because at least you're starting to engage them in audiation activities because you don't necessarily have to start that at the piano. If that's something you're worried about, I think you start that all away from the piano. So you just begin your lessons like five to ten minutes, just singing, having them move with you, chanting a pattern to them, and they repeat it back to you. Um, or you can just do it informally, just sing to them and chant to them, and they can respond however they want to. And then eventually, um, just kind of think about how you would approach teaching the songs in the book by rote with that MLT aspect in mind. So picking out Rhythm patterns, trying to label it, or you telling them whether it's duple or triple, chanting those patterns, pointing out important tonal patterns of the song, having your students sing those tonal patterns, having them finding them on the piano, having them improvise with those said rhythm patterns and tonal patterns. That way they can embody um, that piece deeply, as opposed to just reading what's on the page. I think that's one way you can incorporate that aspect of music moves. And then um, if you're still on the fence about just kind of hopping into straight into music moves, I would say music moves just sequences that audition, those audition activities beautifully, perfectly. Marilyn, I can tell, mm-hmm. I spent she spent decades of work on this and I can tell that she thought through every little detail that I'm now starting to see as I go back, you know, in these lesson plans. And then you just make the jump. I think you just got to do it. <laughs> And mm-hmm. let the forest fires burn as you're trying to <laughs> trying yeah. to figure it out because once you come out of that fire, I think you're going to be – it's just kind of like, you know, in a forest fire, the re- that's an important aspect of change and regrowth because it allows things to grow and provides more nutrients in the soil. It's same thing with you as a teacher. It'll provide you the, just the nutrients for you to grow more as a teacher and help you provide better teaching for your students so they can learn more about music and not just – look at notes in a page and try to decode them. So, yeah, I think just kind of, if you want to dip your toe, break it down to the core elements of whole whole part whole and or just singing and chanting. And then you got to make the leap at some point because your kids will not benefit unless you make the leap, I think. And I I think I'm very unapologetic about that because no other method sequences that that idea of audiation as well as Marilyn's method.
1: I agree. And that's like a great, bold analogy you made about the forest fire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how has teaching with this audition based approach, how has music learning theory been valuable to your own personal musicianship?
2: Growing up, I always was fearful of the idea of improvisation. And uh, I was always amazed that those who could just do it just could do it. They had that ability. It wasn't necessarily something that I got. But I've learned through music, learning theory, and audition that improvisation is a skill that can be developed at any point in anybody's career. And so for me, I think it's just a lot easier for me to process what it is to improvise. I just got to keep it simple. You pick a rhythm pattern, you just mess around with it. You can pick a key, and once you've been able to audiate the different functions of that key, which has, um, which definitely makes you think about music differently, I just hear it more innately as opposed to kind of figure out, what is that tonic chord, that dominant chord? You just know. You just know. Mm-hmm. And you're able to just kind of play using tonic and dominant. I, I, and then eventually we'll, we'll add other chords to it. But I hear music differently. Like, I'm more engaged with what I'm listening to. Um, I hear those functions appear in music. I can kind of, I can label not all the time, but sometimes I'm like, oh, that's a division pattern in duple meter that I'm hearing, or an elongation, like a oh. whole. Um, and when I am teaching music to students, I make connections to other pieces as well, um, a lot more. Like I am working on a handle Passacaglia with one of my high school students, and like the beginning. You know how it's the same four chords or however many chords all over and over again over the course of the piece. Like the first four chords, I think sounded the exact same as the progression to Weezer's "Island in the Sun." And I like, <laughs> I was like, stop. And so I like played it, and I looked at my student, and I was like, does that sound familiar to you? And he's like, yes, it does sound familiar. I just don't know what it's from. And then I pull out Spotify, to like type in "Island in the Sun," and I'm pretty sure it's the same chord progression. And they're like, oh my gosh, so we're never gonna forget that. And so you just make these connections to other music and you realize that music is just patterns. And it's not, um, and they reoccur over and over and over again. They're not like new, unique ideas that someone has like, come up with out of nowhere. It's something that has been used over millennia or centuries and that someone has just kind of used in their own way. And you pick out those patterns more. Um, I can learn music a lot faster. For some reason, I think because I am able to kind of connect that more like I like I can tell when I'm auditing, I can tell when I'm not auditing, when I'm sight reading, um, I still go into that like sight reading mode, which is where I'm just like, got to get through it. But um, sometimes when I decide to pay attention, what I'm listening to, I can hear, oh, OK, I know what we're, what we're, where this is going. And when I teach classical music, like, when I was teaching for, like, the beginning of Fur Elise to somebody recently, I was like, oh, my gosh, I see what Beethoven is doing. He's going from here, and he's going to here, and he goes here, and oh, my gosh, that's amazing. And I just have a a deeper appreciation to what I'm listening to, as opposed to, that sounds really cool. That sounds really good. Mm-hmm. I know that Gordon talks about that in his book, too. Having just read that, he's like, you just have a, students can hear it, as opposed to appreciate it, or appreciate it, as opposed to just hearing it. Yeah. And it, I can audiate pulse, if that makes sense. So when I am looking at a piece and I haven't played it yet, I just look at it and I'm like, we are in triple. What is the macro beat? This is the macro beat. And I'm just kind of playing with a sense of just a solid pulse, which I don't think I ever had, even through college. I think that was just a common comment. My teacher said that I rushed all the time. Mm -hmm. And that was a mixture. It was a combination of many things. But I think most most specifically being that I would never just develop that innate sense of pulse or audited that. And so um, I just feel that pulse very differently. I audiate it very differently. That's just something more inherent. And that's something that I have to like count out. That makes sense. Like I'm not counting the rhythm anymore. I'm just reading it. It's interesting. And it's kind of Mm -hmm. messed with me a little bit because I'm like, how am I supposed to feel this? Or how am I supposed to like, look at this as a whole as opposed to break it down but once that all comes together, it's just, you just kind of, it clicks. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's just easier to play. It's easier to listen. I kind of like can memorize things, not like deep, like complex classical repertoire. But if I'm teaching a piece to a student, like I'm memorizing it with them because we are both deep digging mm-hmm. deep into that piece together. And so I remember it. They remember it. I don't have to be looking at the page all the time to remember how it goes. <laughs> That's one of
1: my favorite things about This approach is how many pieces I've been able to learn through my student. I could just sit down and play all these pieces. Yeah, I couldn't do that before.
2: And then you can kind of mess around with it, you know, and you can kind of like make it your own and add stuff to it and take away from it. And it's just more accessible than when we were learning in a traditional way, Mm -hmm. like what improv improv means or um, what just playing meant. Because I couldn't just play anything. And I'm still on that weird stage of like, I can't just sit down at a piano, play anything. But I think um, because I'm still in that mindset of like, if I play something, it has to be something legit. It has to be something like, quote unquote, legit. It has to be like a a piece of classical repertoire. But no, I'm getting out of this mindset that just playing can literally mean anything. Mm -hmm. And like, because that's the mindset I give to my students, just play something. And so I need to learn to incorporate that mindset for myself. So I can just be more comfortable just sitting down and just playing and not care what comes out um, or just learning from what comes out and audiating and using what I'm using at the keyboard.
1: And that's really – that activity is more in line with the actual definition of play.
2: Right. Which is what we're
1: doing. And, you know, as opposed to uh, serious performance like a big classical repertoire or something like that. Right. So to allow yourself to play is – Not something that I ever personally allowed myself to do until I got into this whole world of (laughs) audiation. So, what do you think the Music Moves method brings to the table that other piano approaches or methods do not?
2: (sighs) What doesn't it bring? It brings everything. Oh my gosh! It brings everything. It brings everything that matters. Oh, I love that. It brings everything that matters. And I don't want to put down the work of people who, the work of those who they put into their own pedagogical methods, but I think that their priorities are very different than Mm -hmm. music moves and to the whole of the music learning community. Like music moves prioritizes inner music, inner musicality. Mm -hmm. It promotes you listening and you making connections independently without the help of somebody else or symbols. You can just hear music, I guess, or just uh, have an understanding of it, and you can just use it at any time, at any place, without you having to say, oh, I don't have any music with me, so I can't play. And that's how I was. Like, oh, I can't, I don't have any music with me. Like, I can't play. Like, mm-hmm. I tell my parents that I work with, like, My goal is that your child can play whatever they want, whenever they want, and if they learn how to read music, that's awesome. That's an important part of learning music, but if they don't get to that point, because I know that's still a struggle for a lot of people, with or without a good sequence, um, that should not keep them from playing the piano or from being a good musician, because there's loads of wonderful musicians out there that never learn how to read music, and I think that can be the same for any student. Like, we'll still work to get there, but if they don't get there, it's okay. That can always come later. I want their musicality, their, their musical output to be the priority.
1: And for the students who have, you know, tracking issues or eye mm-hmm. issue, visual um, mm-hmm. impairments and things like this, you know, there, there are real scientific reasons why some students are not going to get to that high-level reading stage or even a lower level reading stage. And it doesn't exclude them. And I right. think that that's the really beautiful, it's it's an inclusive method.
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I also have, I, I ask this to um, people a lot when we start talking about methods and my method versus your method. and mm-hmm. not, um, But it's like, can you take that musicianship away from the piano? Yes or no? You know, are these methods teaching us how to be musicians? without mm-hmm. a piano because you don't always have a piano right and you still want to be able to participate in music you want to sing and chant and move and listen with more understanding and
2: i've had this conversation with other people in our in a little like mlt group that like even though we have a child leave a studio that doesn't mean they didn't have a solid music education mm-hmm. like you still gave them a wonderful music experience whether or not that was obvious to the student or the parent mm-hmm. That was still going to be with them so I'm sure if they go onto to another studio that's more traditional-based, they'll be more than prepared to take on what the teacher throws at them because they have a solid foundation.
0: Absolutely. Or another instrument, or if another they pick instrument. up yeah, another instrument. E-
2: exactly. Yeah. Yes. They'll be ready to go.
0: I had one student um, that left piano to take cello, and the cello teacher said she is just amazing. I've, I discovered that all she has to do is sing it and then she can play it. And I was like, yes, <laughs> here we <set>. go. <laughs> I know. So you've talked about so many things that you love about music moves for piano and teaching. But if you were to identify one, what would be your absolute favorite part of teaching piano using an audition-based method? The creativity
2: aspect of it like there is an infinite number of opportunities to have a student improvise in a lesson and I think that is so much fun and I, I think they think it's fun too um, because they there's no right or wrong answers really I mean like there's like a a criteria you want them to do but in terms of what you're asking them to do, the level of success is very high every time. And you want those small, um, our, uh, experiences of success frequently in a lesson. Mm-hmm. If not all the time. You know, it's, I mean, of course, like, it's okay for a student to struggle with something as part of the learning process, but you also want them to walk out of the lesson thinking, oh, I did something today. Like, I made something up today. I created something today. I learned something new today. I know stuff. Super awesome. I know <laughs> stuff. I can do things. <laughs> <laughs> and that is... And I just love that about Music Mooster Piano. That it just... You prep them for that success, and they can just do it. And mm-hmm. um, and they might be amazed by that. I think I'm amazed by that every single time, not because I didn't think they could do it, but because that's just another testament to me that it works. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, oh, that's so great. Oh, that's so cool. I get really excited about the smallest things. <laughs> me too. <laughs> and the student's like, okay, you know. <laughs> that's just, I just love it. I just love it. I can't, yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's just that it's just... It allows you to create. It invites you to create. And sometimes we feel like we have to be invited to create something for us to do it. And I think it, it makes, it creates a culture of creativity where it's just part of, part of it. It's not something special that we do or it's some, not something that we only get to do once in a while. We do it all the time. And I think that gives them a lot of confidence and it gives them ownership. And they feel like musicians Mm -hmm. or pianists because they can create. And that's the whole point, to be able to come up with your own stuff and not just play the works of others. I think that should be part of like, I mean, if you want to do that, that's great. But you should also be able to
0: make up your own music because you're your own person. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Scarlett, for joining us. Um, We will link to uh, everything that we've talked about on these past three episodes on our show notes, for sure. You can also follow Scarlett on Instagram where she posts videos of her students making music as well as things about music learning theory and music moves for piano. You can follow her at music at 906. Thank you again, Scarlett, for being here with us. And thank you so much for having me. It's been absolutely wonderful. Of course, thank you all for listening and we'll see you soon.